Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm the Gorton's Fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm David. Yar, gather around me hearties, because we'll be talking about an old sea tale here. Yar har har. Yo ho ho. I hope you'll be liking ghost stories, David and Jen, because you're in one. (gasps) (laughs) And you can't see it, but I just turned into a skeleton. Oh no! Oh, are are we going to have to go dig up treasure on Oak Island or something? I hope so. Well, I'm Canadian, so yes. (laughs) Oh, that's in Canada? Yeah, it's in, uh, like, Nova Scotia. Oh, oh, didn't... Anyway, yeah, I, I... That has nothing to do with this episode. It's just the thing that keeps popping up all the time, and it always sounds more and more stupid and ridiculous. I, I've, that's always, that's kind of been one of my, I mean, David, I know you're the big, like, sort of cryptid, uh, conspiracy theory, urban legend guy here. So this episode must be right up your alley, because we are deep in the heart of the Griffin Rock Triangle. Dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, we we can. Well, I I could ramble on about triangles even before we get into the episode. Well, the the problem with there's a triangle is if you take any three points, pretty much anywhere in the world, between different directions on the water, you can find a series of really weird like shipwrecks and things in any place because shipwrecks happen all the time or used to happen all the yeah, time. Yeah, see, if you and take a moment to actually think about like seafaring it's actually super terrifying i mean there's reason they used to put like woodcuts of sea monsters on maps yes because it was scary we don't know what the hell happened to things and and even just like random like like things run aground or whatever or they hit in this episode as soon as it happens like oh hey that's a methane pocket i've watched way too much stuff on (laughs) discovery channel back when they used to have useful stuff uh, but, but, but Dave, like, I, I've, I have a counterpoint here, though. Mm-hmm. What? If you take any three points on the map, they form a triangle. Coincidence? That is true. <laughs> also, yes. there is no actual triangle mentioned at, at any point that would be the next. The Bermuda Triangle, which is obviously what they're playing on, is actually a triangle between three points. Three specific Yeah, they points. don't mention the three points in this. But episode. there's no, this is just a place where mysterious things happen, and triangle is not just the generic <laughs> term for a place where things, weird things happen in the sea. Well, it's kind of become, like, there's the Devil's Triangle near China and Japan. Is that an actual triangle, though? Yes, it's a triangle. I forget what, what the points are, but yes, it is a triangle. And uh, there's also a Great Lakes Triangle in uh, in Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well yeah. There, that's even in like that's lakes, and there's a lot of weird stuff that's happened there. No, I mean you know the, you know, uh, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Mm. So in the in the big lake they call Gitchigumi. Uh, yes. Oh, and now, okay, maybe it wasn't called anyway. The Triangle. Now I'm trying to remember what the hell it was called. So anyway, this first aired June sixteenth, twenty twelve, and uh, written by show favorite Margaret Scott. Woo. It's her first episode of Rescue Bots. She would go on to do four more. Mm-hmm. It is a little like meaty. For yeah, an this, episode of this Rescue is Bots. kind of an unusual. This is a little less like wacky peril happening to Griffin Rock and more. There's more of an emotional core to this episode. 
Yeah. yeah this, this one's is real like, oddly some, serious. Yeah. This is, there's some complex feelings going on here. Yeah. And, and I like it in general, but also it's, you know, again, like... It's it's a little bitty kid show, but it's not really a little bitty kid show, as it turns out. It's no Paw Patrol, <laughs> which I have no. been told is uh, pro cop propaganda. Well, I mean, I guess this has a cop in it who is a good guy. Yeah, but also he's not a dog. No, <laughs> he's not an adorable puppy dog. And I mean, we're we're not dealing. We're uh, last episode aside. We're mostly not dealing with crime, but more with natural disasters or unnatural disasters. Yes, hmm. like a volcano machine. <laughs> but, yes. the, the, yeah, this is. Well, I, this, this is, is somewhere between yeah, volcano is, machine and actual natural disaster. Yes, and we open on the high seas. And it's it's Captain Wild, voiced by Steve Bloom, doing a bit of a Scottish accent. Yes, it's very yeah. Steve Bloom, but not like again, not like his generic stormtrooper voice. More of a more of a star screamy voice. He's doing his star screamy voice a lot on this show. But it's, like it's really well, it's very growly. Well, this guy is screaming, like, and also I think he's just the old sea captain from The Simpsons. <laughs> he kind of is, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, like. He, he made me think of the Gordon's Fisherman, which is also kind of the sea captain. Yeah, yeah. Right, that'll be replacing the whale. The, that'll be replacing the whale in me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> because indeed, his boat is mysteriously sinking. Dun dun dun! Not so mysteriously. There's lots of bubbles coming up, and the boat is sinking because the oh, what is, uh, the density of the water has changed? Because surprise, it's methane coming up. Well, that would yeah. also explain why uh, Danny is asking Blades why he suddenly smells like farts. <laughs> that doesn't happen. No, it should. I mean, it I guess that not. would give it away. But so, so uh, it, it's early in the morning. Danny is not a morning person, and making matters worse, they they attach their winch to this boat, and they get pulled under as well. I am also not a morning person, so I find it very relatable. That seemed like a very bad idea. Like, I guess they're trying to save the boat, but it's like the the captain just the, the winch comes down. It's like, oh, it's going to rescue him. No, he ties it to the back of the boat. Well, I it's don't like, know if he's climbing up that thing. Captain Wild, like, he's, he's got more sunsets behind him than ahead of him. <laughs> grab on. He could be winched up, you know, like winching him up is easier than winching up an entire boat. It's a large boat. It also looks like he might be having his share of frozen fried fish. <laughs> yes, yes, he's he is at least some of the, the weight that they're having to haul. <laughs> I've been, I'm carrying a little more ballast these days, my hearties. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the boat starts to sink more, and then well, no, they they tell him, "Is your cabin is airtight? Get in there before it even starts to super sink." Why yes. is his cabin air? I don't know. I don't well, know about for the boats. Episode... Yes, for the episode to work, for I to realize there's less death in this. episode. Yeah, so this guy doesn't just drown. 
Fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we've successfully rescued Captain Wilde's bloated corpse. <laughs> dun dun yeah. da da dun dun. Look, cut to credits. They just they just had to skip the episode where we realize where the the rescue bats have to learn about things like people needing to breathe. <laughs> that was a hard lesson. That's uh, that's how he lost Mrs. Green. Yes. Uh, but no, they end up on a in a, on an undersea trench. So Blades has to. He is very trying very hard to pull this thing out of the trench, and luckily the other bots get get there. They pull it out, and everybody is successfully rescued. Yeah, wait, okay, okay, I'll I'll believe even the boat. No, yes, okay, we'll get. Nah, <laughs> I believe that like Blades is airtight. He, he's flying. And they're robots. Okay, that kind of makes sense. Having the ship airtight. Sure, fine, whatever, you're on a super science island. That there's an airtight bulldozer seems weird, <laughs> even if he is a Cybertronian. I mean, I suppose what he would probably have is, like, a freezer compartment in on the boat for, like, storing large catches that would be airtight. But, obviously, as we see, it has a window. Yes. Look, I'm gonna forgive a lot because it's Mergrid Scott. And I'm not even gonna lie about it. And uh, we'll say that maybe they had those installed after their encounter with the uh, shark submarine. Yes, maybe yeah. they decided that they were occasionally going to be having some adventures in this great wetness that apparently this planet is full of. Yes, and that Blades does not care for. Yes. Okay. So no, the other robots arrive and, and they fair. manage to pull the the boat off of the edge of the giant precipice and then they and all of its lobster traps yes and then they coffin walk it up onto the land yes i guess that meme i guess well without the music it probably doesn't sell as well maybe i'll put it in the background <laughs> i mean they thought that this thing you know there's something wrong with it so it's not like they can just float it again right right mm. but as graham sees you know this boat is fine there's no reason they should have sunk and he should know because he's the engineer. Yeah, and then Captain Wild is all, "Ah, it be the it be the Griffin Rock Triangle." And they're like, "What?" I mean, they're not all like, "What?" Chief Burns is like, "Let the old man have his crazy beliefs." <laughs> hey, everybody! An old man's talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, mean, and in fact, the chief does remember that when he was a kid, a couple of pleasure boats did mysteriously disappear. <gasps> pleasure boats? What? You know, that's the, like, like a pleasure craft. They're not sex yachts. boats, like a yacht. I know, or a, a yacht. Boat, yes, maybe. that's the thing. They should have said yacht. Saying pleasure boat little has kids connotations. Don't, little kids don't know those connotations. I mean, they're not necessarily yachts. Like it could just like like my my but dad owns a pleasure craft. It's just like a wooden boat. He calls boat. it a pleasure boat. That's what it's it, a pleasure craft. Really? A pleasure craft. What do you say pleasure. <laughs> No, but they say pleasure boat. In it, it's, this. it's definitely not a pleasure. Bo- it's definitely not a pleasure boat because my mom gets seasick. Aww. But they don't say pleasure craft in this, which is that it. It feels weird that that has become a generic term for small boat. Fi- it, I, I, it's it a recreational weird. boat. It's not like it's not yes. like a fishing boat or a ferry or anything. It's just like a personal boat. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a fishing boat. You just don't use it for fishing. But pleasure boat, it <laughs> feels weird. It, it just makes me think of like what is it, the pleasure palace in World of Warcraft or whatever that is. <laughs> oh, well, wait, wait, wait is it called the Pleasure Palace? It's owned by goblins, and goblins. Well, are I'm horrible. gonna say that 
Is it a casino? A ca- I'm sure that is happening. Yeah. Well, because that's probably a reference to Back to the Future 2, Biff Tannen's Pleasure Paradise. Well, it's Gallywick's Pleasure Palace. It's okay. got a golf course and a pool. If there's anyone in World of Warcraft who's Biff Tannen, it's Gallywick's. So, this is fair. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he's he's fat old Biff Tannen. Yes. He's a goblin. He's the leader of the goblins. Well, he he was. I don't think he is anymore. I think um What's the new Did guy? they go back in time and steal the Warcraft almanac from him? Probably. Anyway. Oh, Gaslo. Gaslo's the new guy. Oh, okay. So, so anyway, Cody has found a clue. It is a... He has to brave this lobster pod. We kind of get a cool POV shot where these lobster claws are trying to pinch him. Yes. That was a really weird but very yeah. cool shot. Like oh they 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 know about the uh, about the lobster and technology festival. <laughs> they heard what happened. They know how much melted butter is on my hands. <laughs> mm. But no, it is a plate, and so he cleans it up, and it has got a a weird serpent eating its own tail design on it. As you do, there are sea serpents. No one told me there were sea serpents. Yeah, Blades is very concerned, because he was just in the ocean, <laughs> and now they're telling him it might have monsters in it? Also, two <laughs> notes here. One, I love that Chase points out that they need to put up mon- sea monster warning signs. Uh, but also, at this point in my notes, in all caps, I just put, "Your monger <laughs> Because I know what this is. The world serpent. I know where we are here. This is Norse mythology. I know about Norse mythology. So, so he I takes. I know t- what the Nagalfar is made of. <laughs> what? But, wait, wait, what? What the hell is Nagalfar? Haven't you been in that, that dungeon in World of Warcraft? <laughs> oh wait, is that the boat with the the seaweed giants? Is it made out of fingernails? It it is not in World of Warcraft, and I actually told my my old raid buddies this one time as we were going through it. I was like, you know, in actual mythology, this boat is made of the the fingernails think- and toenails of the dead. I think there is a reference to that in that dungeon. Possibly, somewhere. there's probably, or maybe one of the questions. I I, I got to go clip the boat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Give me all your fingernails. It, it is a creep. Yeah, I like that dungeon. That that that's a creepy the, one. The unclipped anyway, 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 so, so the untrimmed he, toenails and fingernails of the dead. Yeah, so he takes this to Doc Green, and there's a great, insane Doc Green line here. Yes. Where, where Frankie's all dead. You always said the the. the Griffin Rock Triangle was hogwash. Oh, yeah. is true, but occasionally when you wash a hog, you discover it was never a hog to begin with. But what was um, it? Which, like, <laughs> what kind of fumes a- are you inhaling, Doc? <laughs> that is also in my notes, is wait, what was the hog then? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I kind of missed the further implications of that. But, Frankie, but, are you making uh, sure your dad's taken all of his meds? <laughs> mm. Just leaves it at that. He doesn't say what the hog action. That's my favorite thing about it is that it just leaves this dangling. What is the hog actually then? Hmm. Anyway, it turns out yes, this is twenty eight years old and is from Project Midgard. And immediately the alarm bells start going off because I see Project something from Norse mythology. I'm thinking Nazis. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Well. The, the, 
that that may be second thought. My first thought is, oh wait, somebody played Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Topical. Yes. Wait, wait. How how many sectors are in Project Midgard in this? Oh, six. Oh, it's eight in the game. Ah. Which is odd. It should be seven because it was seven. But anyway, <laughs> it's easier to make base on even numbers. Yeah. So they uh, they have to follow a whole trail of Da Vinci Code style clues here because there's just a code number here. So they have to go to the Hall of Inspiration yeah. into the archives where they find an old film reel. Which oh, uh, oh what is the um, film is so last century that is exceedingly correct, Frankie. <laughs> that is literally correct. Though my uh, the tape player in my car would say otherwise. And so. Uh, and Cody recognizes it because I guess his dad has old like uh um super eight reels. Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah. Because he mentions that they're smaller, but this is like a like a you know, old style movie. Big, yeah. So anyway, this is uh, we get a uh it is is Professor Anna Baranova, uh who is a young ish scientist. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to tell what her age is, really. But also know. of some sort of non-white ethnicity. Yes, yeah, she's sort of vaguely... I mean, the name is, like, Italian-sounding. Or I was thinking, like, Russian. Maybe. Yeah, Eastern yeah. European, maybe. But, I mean, she's definitely darker than the... Uh, Most of the other characters. Burns. Yes, but not yeah. as but not as dark as the Greens. Yeah, and uh, she's voiced by a veteran voice actress, Kath Susie. Ah, I thought she sounded extremely oh, familiar. Uh, she was Janine on uh, Real Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, okay. Kitty Pride on Pride of the X Men. Like lots uh, and she, lots of people. She was she was the Russian girl on Captain Planet, and in Transformers Animated, she was Professor Princess. Yes. Oh, that's why the name was really familiar. But she, no, she's in absolutely everything. She was a Q-bird on Futurama. Wasn't she the <laughs> sister, like, who you never actually see in Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad? I believe that is correct. Oh. Oh. Everything comes back. She, she was like a like a Carlton, <laughs> your doorman kind of character. Hmm. Anyway, yes. It st- cont- and continues to be in a ton of stuff. Yes. Uh, she was also those twins on Rugrats. Ah, yeah, oh. that's a very familiar voice. Anyway, yeah, Kath Susie, and uh, yeah, she is. Uh, her project is uh, is the is the Midgard, which is a mobile lab, which is going to be which is going to investigate the Griven Rock Triangle once it is launched from Tunnel Fifteen. <gasps> so luckily, she's left them another clue. Yes. So Cody is, uh, he's real head up about this. He's, he smells a mystery. He does like so a mystery. The, yeah, and so the bots are, you know, they're, and they're searching the tunnels under the island. They haven't found anything, except for Heatwave, who's found uh, nothing with 15. He just found a bunch with a bunch of I's and V's on it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, that's, that is a kind of numbers. Which leads to, oh, what is, what is it Blade says? Something about, about the Romans. Are, what, oh, right. Yes. How did the, the Romans, Romans did the Romans dig a tunnel from Italy to get here? Yes, that's silly. But it just makes me yeah. think of that scene in The Simpsons where Bart is confronted with a bunch of doors with Roman numerals on them, and he figures them out by mapping them to Rocky movies. 
So let's see, think, Bart. Where have you seen Roman numerals before? I know. Rocky V. That was the fifth one. So Rocky V plus Rocky II equals <laughs> Rocky Seven. Adrian's Revenge. <laughs> oh. Uh, which is actually kind of amazing that, that Bart can add. Yeah. <laughs> so they do indeed find the tunnel, and it contains a mooring station. So they get in there and, of course, accidentally trigger a docking sequence, which nearly drowns Graham and Cody. Yeah, again, a lot of peril in this episode. Yeah, that's some very serious peril. Yes. Also, they mention a Project C-638, which I was really hoping was like a... uh, a, a Japanese transformer number because when in G1 they gave them all like C number or D number for Cybertron and Destron, but sadly it was not. Mm-hmm. No one is. <laughs> I mean, that would have been like way into like victory or zone or something. Yes. So. Yeah. Alas. So so they do they do manage to escape this by hitting the override, but the the bots bust in thinking they're still in peril, and we get a. A great uh, chase bust and yell, cease and desist. <laughs> yes. So Cody still wants to poke around. Uh, Graham wants him to get out of Dodge because it's clearly insanely dangerous. But Cody still manages to find a secret component with a VHS tape in it. <gasps> what? Yes, after they're yelling at him not to push more buttons. <laughs> I was like, oh, we've moved up in technology a level. Yes. Which is like finding random tapes. It's like how how many video games have done that? Is this is this a Bioshock spinoff? Is this? I guess with uh, Fallout, it was you did have the occasional cartridges, but mostly the journals and such you found were just already on the computers. They're going to need to bring in Danny because she's the master of unlocking. (laughs) (laughs) Also, at one point here, when when Chase uh, declares that this is all very dangerous, they need to get out of here. That he points out that he has hazard tape in his glove box. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Chase. <laughs> anyway, so they they play this uh, they play this videotape, uh, which unlocks the next level of mist. <laughs> yes. uh, but no, it's actually Doctor Baranov explaining how th- an underwater vent is releasing methane discharges, which causes ships to sink, and that she is going to s- send out the Midgard, drop a giant bomb into the vent. And it's going to seal up. Okay, so uh, sure. isn't methane isn't methane like very flammable? Well, yes, but yeah, it's underwater. But it's underwater, so you know. Plus, she's exploding the sides of of the canyon to fill in rocks in the canyon. She's not blowing up the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. At least that seems like the plan from the diagrams. Yes. I mean, her plan was she's not going to be anywhere near this bomb when it goes off. Yes. Yeah, ideally. And it's it's here that the chief drops in and says, "Oh yeah, I'm a professor Verno. We met her when I was younger. Uh, she mysteriously disappeared. I get. I guess we all thought she moved away. Because <laughs> that, you know, yeah, which that totally I, is. Well, it is, is a weird science island. Odd disappearances might happen. But you know that they're odd disappearances. You don't just assume that the person must have moved away. Yeah, well, it was 28 years ago. I guess he wasn't a cop then, I would hope. No, he would probably be maybe like a in the police academy, so just, you know, yucking it up with his pals Hightower and Tackleberry. 
Anyway, so Cade's all, well, looks like she mysteriously disappeared. And that's uh, that's the end of that chapter. That's it. That's that's how it is. The end. Let's go home. Oh, yeah, and she's also, she also talks about how the council won't approve this. And I assume she means, like, the city council? But did they have, like, maybe they had a mad science council back then. Yeah, I'm thinking this, this sounds more like a science council as opposed to whoever you Professor Lusky's predecessor was, plus uh, Nameless Lady and Carlton Banks. Or maybe we just haven't, like, met everyone in the town who are working for the greater good. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of guys. Uh, Doc Green is definitely the guy who is chilling in robes and deciding the fate of the world via science. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, it wouldn't be weird to see the mayor in a getup like that? <laughs> he's a, I mean, he gets there and he's disappointed. He thought, oh, I thought this was one of those eyes wide shut deals. <laughs> hmm. We're just talking about shrink rays? Oh. They have a giant owl statue in the woods they meet at every <laughs> year, you know. Oh, and it's got the voice of uh, Huxley Prescott. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because, of course, oh, the, the wow. real, uh, was it Philosopher's Grove? Uh, oh, no, it is something Grove. Um, crap. I, I should have Googled my joke before I did the joke. Bohemian Grove. Ah, because the real owl there has the voice of uh, Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. And of oh, course, oh. Um, Griffin Rock's Walter Cronkite is Huxley Prescott. Yeah, their low-rent version. <laughs> I mean, he's more like their Stephen Colbert or their Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they they do indeed decide to find out, you know, what's the deal with Professor Baranova? Can we find the Midgard? Can we find, you know, can we, you know, Bring some closure to Professor Baranova's story, because obviously they, they they do not expect that if she's down there, she's probably no longer still alive. Yeah, but it's, it's been twenty eight years. Still a mystery worth pursuing. They're not just I mean, going to be like, well, I guess she must have just mysteriously disappeared. Well, later. I mean, obviously, you know, she survived for that year. She'd have to be some sort of crazy antisocial hermit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't think of anybody like that. She's very so, relatable. So indeed, they do find the crashed Midgard, and shockingly, Professor Baranova is still on board, and not as, you know, a skeleton, but as a noticeably older woman. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a good, like, sort of jump scare where it's like a g-g-g-g-ghost moment. <laughs> where, uh, was it yes. Blades who sees yes, Blades, figure and, in and, a window? And of course, and Blades, who is still not entirely convinced that this wasn't sea monsters. Yes. Yeah. That we we do get um, as they go off on this excursion, we do get uh, Danny once again declaring that she that they're going to be there at the break of dawn. She hates dawn. Yes. I this is a new character trait for her, I believe, but I find it extremely relatable. It's kind of amusing, given that one of her other character traits is that she makes terrible coffee. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why she doesn't like mornings, because she's not very good at coffee. And if she improved her ability to make coffee, then she would be better at mornings. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm, I'm again, I'm not entirely clear how old Professor Baranova is. And that's kind of going to be important in a couple seasons. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, it, it's like, me, she's somewhere, I guess like 20s. 30s? I mean, she's got gray hair, somewhere. although that might just be the stress well, no, of 30s, having... Thir- I'm talking about in the flashback, oh, okay. 30s, so... And it's 28 years I mean, after yeah, that. Yeah, now she's so probably, she's... like, 60-ish. Yeah. Over 50. 
maybe less than 60. And also, uh, hilariously, 28 years from... Presumably this takes place in 2012. Mm -hmm. So 28 years ago, 1984. (laughs) I I was thinking about this in in the uh, framework of her being basically from the 80s. Yes. But that that it was specifically 1984 is very cute. Although her outfits aren't really that I kind of wish that it was more like she was just wearing like an aged set of leg warmers. Yeah, so she was like asking about like whether Duran Duran had put anything new out. (laughs) Is Ronald Reagan still the president? (laughs) Did that old lady ever find the beef? They, they, they hand her a Coke and she spits it out. This tastes terrible. What happened? <laughs> did, did we lose the formula to new Coke? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. The last surviving new Coke machine was on the Midgard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. so she's she's a little, um, not, not even, like, she's angry that people have showed up. And then she's like, oh, wait, am I imagining things? Have I gone crazy? And it's like... No, I would not have imagined giant transforming robots. This is real. Oh, I, everyone I, get out of here. This is my house. I yeah, here. I what? do like that like that the rescue bots are like, well, why why wouldn't she be excited to be rescued? And they're like, this is her home. Y'all know what it's like losing your home. And they're like, oh, yeah. <sighs> it was sad when we lost our home that time. Yeah, so she's all, you know, I, I really appreciate you came to rescue me and all, but uh, now I'd like you to get the hell out of here. Yes. Because she, apparently the she describes, you know, she, she was, she'd set out to drop this bomb, but unfortunately did so right when the methane expo- eruption happened. Uh, of course. So her engines were destroyed, her communications array was destroyed, but luckily her hydroponics lab. Yes, she's was uh, kept active, so she has been able to keep herself fed and also uh, constantly high. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> well, like, yes. Yeah, like, the entire, like, setup of this episode kind of reminds me of, like, a, it's a Doctor Who episode, sort of. I suppose. Because it, it, it's very, yeah, like... I mean, you definitely have to fight, like, uh, you know, uh, ice warriors or something. Yes, there'd definitely be something. Yeah, or or giant blob monsters. Like... Sea devils. And, something. Yes. Yeah, it, it, even the shape of the thing reminds me of, like, some space stations in old Who. Oh, yeah, it definitely looks like somebody made out of, like, egg cartons and uh, Coke yeah. bottles. So do you think this, uh, okay, A, this is apparently a mile-deep trench, which seems awful close to, like, the main continental shelf for a mile. Like, I'm pretty sure most of the mile-deep trenches in the sea are, like, a little further out. Uh, or but also, near island chains like Japan, not, like, also, America. Also, do you, do, you uh, do you think this methane vent is in any way connected to their artificial volcano? <laughs> oh, yes, it's probably Because that sort of that. thing is usually connected in some way to volcanic activity. Yeah. I wonder if there was some correlation with when they shut that down and when oh, this methane wait, vent wasn't, opened Wasn't the up. volcano from, like, the 20s? I think, yes, it was, like, from an old world's fair. Yeah, that that might have increased the methane production. Of course, it does sound like, it, like it's an old sea tale, so yeah. it could be from centuries well, ago. Well, yeah, it could be an old tale, but it was just accentuated by the volcano 
creating more methane in the steam. <laughs> Venting methane into the sea. Which is And also I really hope that the professor brought had like a change of clothes because she's wearing the same turtleneck sweater and lab coat that we saw her wearing in the old cartoon yeah, logic I mean, it's, that it's one's a little easy bit to raggedy but i mean she's got water to wash it in let's hope i mean given what people are you know not wearing with quarantine going on here and it's only been a couple <laughs> months after 28 years they're lucky she's wearing pants yeah i'm surprised she's <laughs> yes. wearing the lab coat like wearing clothes at all like maybe the thermostat just got stuck on 70 so she's got to wear something because <laughs> it's a little too chilly to uh, to be just going natural so anyway the, the the bomb does still work so they could just push the lab into the trench and blow it up or they could but, not do that <laughs> yeah well that's what professor baranova says you know, this is my house the hell? i live here Go away! Stop coming to my house and trying to blow things up. That's not cool. It's not it, it cool. very much reminds me of uh, the Generation One episode "Fight or Flee." Yes, <laughs> and I, I feel Chase is. I felt that Chase really needed a. Oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Okay, hand me the bomb. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. That was a good line. But anyway, she's like, you know, I've you know, I've been down here for twenty years. Who knows what's still going on up there? You know, do hamburgers eat people? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Could be craziness. I mean, it is a little crazy. Things got a little crazy. And what? What did you do? Elect an actor president? Oh wait, that happened before I got down. <laughs> what did you do? Not elect an actor president? <laughs> I mean, it's twenty twelve. By that point, we elected a black guy president, so we're doing okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Just, just maybe you should a couple years, like maybe four years from now, maybe go back down. Yes, yeah. just keep everything running down here so you can escape again in a few more years. Build a new submersible lab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But indeed, you know, the, so you know, they all head out, but Cody heads back and says, you know, you know, the 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 uh, surface world, you know, it's pretty great. I live there. It has air in it, <laughs> like. Fresh and you know, other air and not, there are lobsters in the sky instead of in the water. And you know, other not the same air you've been breathing repeatedly for the past twenty-eight years. Yeah, no, no offense, lady, but I don't think uh, this air is. I don't think this is all the methane from the vent. If you get my drift, <laughs> you're going on thirty years of accumulated farts on what is probably a bean-heavy diet. Because hmm. you need protein, and it's only plants. Like, thinking on this episode, like, it it seems odd that they're rushing, oh, let's use this bomb to fill that hole. Like, can't we bring you to the surface? We'll make a new bomb, drop that in a week or two. Middle <laughs> might fuck with your little house, but we could slide your house closer to one of the tunnels and connect it up. But no, their plot is... Okay, let's say goodbye to this round, crumbling Midgard as it shatters and shakes and falls and explodes and boom and oh, I need to play the new Final Fantasy game. Well, new old <laughs> Final Fantasy game. Flashbacks. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, so yeah, Baranova decides, okay, well, maybe I'll try. You know, maybe I do miss my loved ones and gases. <laughs> <laughs> gases other than farts. And maybe I do have a touch of the ocean madness. <laughs> Maybe some sunlight might be nice. 
I guess. Maybe I'll meet a handsome uh, older scientist or something up there. Maybe, maybe he's single. Maybe he's crazy like me. <laughs> Be crazy in the same way. So yeah, she uh, so she evacuates in chase. The, the the bots are pushing the uh, the thing over the edge. It gets snagged on a rock, which always happens whenever I move in a couch. Yes, I hate it when that happens when I'm moving that undersea couch. Oh, and then the couch is going to explode. Yeah, you got to hurry up and get it over there before the couch explodes, and then the cats get upset. Anyway, so but they they all get out safely. Uh, this is pretty fairly low peril quotient in this episode. I will re- really more really? emotional peril. There's there was a, I mean, we have a boat that sinks at the beginning of the episode. Almost a death by drowning. There, there two deaths by drowning what? in the airlock system. This bomb is about to explode. There's three notable incidents of people could die. Plus, there was the threat of oh, we're going to find the corpse of an old scientist that ended up not happening this is more than usual this, this is this is possibly more than oh a shark is about to blow a metal shark is about to blow up well remember i mean they had to tow that thing out of the sea though i mean this is less the whole city's gonna blow up and more like a person is going to die i guess yeah, that's which, fair this is know, a more personal kind of peril it's less yeah. large scale peril and and this climax largely involves emotional peril mm. yes Yes, it does. So, so the the Griffin Rock Triangle is sealed. Doc Baranova is back up on the surface, and uh, she meets Doc Green, who's who's going to build her a replica Midgard to live on. It's her new house. Aw, he's all getting Aww. it prepared too. He's got all the wood, which apparently they're going to make it out of wood. Which, which I mean, I suppose if you paint it up, that's fine. Yeah, it could look the same yes. instead of having to fabricate the materials. Although wood is an odd choice, you'd think he'd he'd like want to make it entirely authentic to how it was. But yeah, whatever. And and Frankie's all, oh hey, he's he's building you this thing. That means he likes you, <laughs> new mom. Yeah, like she jumps right to shipping. I I kind of didn't expect that. Like, well, one, I wasn't entirely sure, oh, are they going to find a dead body? That would be weird. No, she's going to be alive. But then they bring her up and it's like, hey, my dad's single. What? I didn't see that coming. Uh, and and spoilers for a few episodes down the line. It works. Man, well, they are two odd scientists with their own, like, focuses. And speaking of things that surprisingly work, uh, Frankie gets a sister. Wild. Which is uh, this is why I was kind of wondering how old is Doc Baranova? I mean, maybe there's Frankie. I've cured Frankie. I've cured menopause. Maybe there's some laboratory work going on. Science, you know, cloning is possible. We're not entirely sure where Frankie came from. Frankie, it's your new sister. We made her in a tube. Yes, yes. What I'm saying is, they make her sister in a tube. Yeah, well, you know. It'll work. I mean, there's there's time skip at some point, so we don't really have to think about it too hard. Good. Oh. Good. Maybe they just found her. Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, they yep. I was going to say, if we don't, I mean, even, man, I don't know, like, if you can still carry, even if you're not producing eggs anymore. This is an important question. Yes, I think so. Well, I mean, Haven't there been, like, grandmothers that have carried, like, their granddaughters because they aren't? 
Oh, yeah, 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 that... yeah. This, this could be a thing. <laughs> science has gone too far. Yeah. And on this island, science has definitely gone too far. Yes. <laughs> Word up. Yes, it has. Well, and Doc Green, with Doc Green especially. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of his thing. And yeah, that is the Griffin Rock Triangle. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean the the um Tim Curry episodes were great, hilarious, fun, but th- this this is a much more serious episode. And yeah. it's really good. And I am a sucker for that sort of clue gathering mystery element of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it it's it's a very different from usual episode, but it's really entertaining. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I always love just throwing random Norse mythology stuff in there. And then, yeah, Margaret Scott. She's always great. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I believe that now means we turn to David and Tokusatsu Corner. Oh, I thought we were going to talk Ligma? about Cameo's word up. Hmm. Wait, what? Is, is Ligma here? No, I, I just recently, like, rediscovered the song word up by cameo and it was odd finding it a few days ago and realized oh shit lavar burton's in this is he oh. he's in the music video wow well i well i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look that up myself because i'm not gonna take your word for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Juku sentai go go five um this week what is the episode called uh infant demon drops sortie which is kind of a mouthful because the um, the baby of the Calamity Tribe is his name is Drop, which uh-huh. okay is kind of weird. Like his name is Drop, like he, a drop bear. Is he a bear? Does he drop? Is he a drop bear? He's a he's a little. Was he dropped on his head? Chubby baby <laughs> dragon thing that sort of looks like a gremlin, and he's in a kind of a <laughs> cocoon, but it's actually his wings wrapped around him. He's kind of a neat puppet thing, but all he <laughs> can say is drop poop. So he's called Drop. Anyway, uh, the episode focuses on Green, and, and he's oh, what is he doing? He's he's testing out his his green hovercraft helicopter thingy, and then it gets shot down by the monster of the week, which is like a sonic cicada monster, I think, because it shoots annoying sounds, and the, the sounds even annoy the calamity monster family that created him. So they send him out with with their butler and, and drop. Oh yeah, because it's, it's drops monster. Because I guess he can make monster cards that their butler turns into monsters. Something, whatever. Sure. Something, something monsters. <laughs> the baby dragon drop monster demon is also psychic. Like he he produces fire from his mouth. He levitates rocks. It, He's immensely powerful in a fight against the Rangers until he gets so tired he falls asleep because he's a baby. <laughs> so that's interesting. But, um, oh, it's uh, yeah, it's a green episode and he gets stuck in the mountains with these three girls who were out hiking for some reason. Like there's uh, like an excitable idiot, a, a fashionable girl. And I guess the other one's a nerd because she has glasses. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works and they're just kind of like he gets sidetracked from the monster it's like oh no he protects them and then one of them fakes being injured and then they have 
It's like, he tells him, no, you have to get out of here. I'll deal with the monster. It's like, no, no, we don't know how to get out of the mountains. So he has to escort them out of the mountains, carrying the one of them faking a leg injury. And it's just a hassle. And and they're just unruly girls trying to kind of tormenting him. And it's weird. But it does manage. This episode passes the Bechdel test, finally, because of these characters (laughs) that are only in one episode. Because they're talking about directions on the map and getting lost and shit before the Green Ranger shows up. Good job. Although it, it, it kind of it, it reminded me that, oh, I have to finish watching um, Keep Your Hands Off Izo Ken because th- that has an excitable goblin girl, a fashionable girl. The other girl isn't a nerd. She's a tall, skinny, weird, sort of get shit done producer. <laughs> Because they're they're they want to make anime in their club and stuff, and then I only watched was two episodes. I need to get back to it anyway. It was fun. So this episode is very weird because it introduces a super powerful baby that can kick the ranger's butt until he gets sleepy, and the Green Ranger sidetracked by these girls who are just harassing him, but he does protect them from the monster. It's like uh, it, it it's a more light hearted, entertaining episode than some of the last few. Because mm-hmm. the premise is just so odd that why are these girls hiking? <laughs> the hell? Well, okay, I guess people go hiking. Yeah, it, it's just that they latch onto. Oh, you're a you're a ranger. Help us! You're famous. Can we have your autograph? We want to s- monopolize the hell out of you. But you know, you're not really that cool. You can't defeat the monster all on your own, and, and it's just it's a thing. <laughs> But yeah, the monster gets defeated again and stuff happens and then they get out. And then when they finally meet all up, the other ranger guys are annoyed. He's going on a date with these girls. What? Because the, the, <laughs> the girls want to take him out because they want him to buy them a new purse. They had to leave in the woods. Oh, so wow. he's still being tormented by them. But the other guys are jealous because apparently they don't talk to any women other than... Their sister and cute, adorable Asuka, who's like, why is no one hitting on her? Aww. Why is no one hitting on her? It is weird. Like, she was introduced as, like, an old classmate of, I think it was Green. Yeah, it was Green, because he's the flyer. And, like, there's been no, like, romantic thing with her since then. Even though, like, last episode she made them sushi. Or, no, she brought sushi from her family's sushi restaurant and stuff. It, it's... She's comic relief and so cute. It's like, just more of her. She wasn't in this yeah, episode, which is annoying. That's sad, because she's clearly the best, so everyone yes. should be very nice to her. Yeah, because it, it's, it's the family dynamic that might eventually get really tiring to me, but this episode was good. It was fun. And and a baby is named Drop. Drop the baby. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> So until next time, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are on, we are hosted by iaconunderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, we will presumably have something to figure out to watch for May, even though yeah. the theaters are closed and everything is very sad and scary. 
There's yes. Netflixes and yeah. other streaming services yep. to find things on, or we could buy some DVDs. There, there, there are Nick Cage movies out there. Ooh, oh. There are Nick Cage movies out there. <laughs> so uh, until next time, when we obey the rules and regulations, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Word up. I got through an episode really without the cat bothering me. Oh. Okay. All right, I'm recording. Okay. Okay, now the line is in the right spot this Billy, time. don't be yeah, a hero. Just... <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, so so Final Fantasy the movie was um it's an okay movie. It's kind of pretty. Yes. It's barely Final Fantasy at all. I don't it, think so I've actually that they did that. watched it since I watched it when it was like new. I I would say um, in the theater, but I watched it at a drive through at a I want to say drive through at a drive in. Which I wonder if that drive-in is still there. I mean, probably the, not. There are very few left, and all oh, my squiggles well, yeah, are so small. Yeah, but there were very oh, few left when that movie came out. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, the problem with that Final Fantasy movie is you've got sort of photorealistic characters, and yeah. you've got known voice act, like famous actors doing voice acting, and, yes. but they don't look like the actors, and it's weird. So you just got a guy who. Isn't Alec Baldwin talking like Alec Baldwin? Yeah, that that well, no, um, like no, I can, the, doesn't he? The Alec Baldwin looks more like um. Hey, not actor, only I'm is it still blanking. open, the fact that it's a drive-in theater means they're still showing movies. So Ooh, if you what? were dying ah. for a theatrical presentation of Trolls World Tour or Onward. Oh. They they are ready for you. That is in uh, Stephen City, Virginia. Ah. Oh, Ben Affleck. That's who. It, the, the right. Guy, Alec Baldwin is playing a guy that looks like Ben Affleck, and it's like everyone else is is like sort of they look vaguely enough like that, or eh. just a generic person. But him, one guy is playing a guy who looks like another guy, and, and it's it's weird. His concessions must be ordered online. <laughs> <laughs> Please wear face masks outside of your vehicle. Only one person in the restrooms at a time. The ambitions for that movie were way too big. Like, their budget was like five times what they originally intended, and it took so long. And they planned, oh, we're going to make a whole series of movies with using the main character, whatever, her Aki. Aki? Like that model they were planning to have her in other movies that were unrelated, like just that model. I guess they were still going to use was it Ming Na. Yeah, Ming Na was the uh, the uh, the uh, the the star, which is possibly Ooh. only her starring movie, her only starring movie role. Well, I guess no. that, unless you count Street Fighter. I was going to say unless you count Mulan. Yeah, I guess if this counts, then obviously oh. I guess Mulan would also. Oh, count. she was Mulan. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she was Mulan. She, she was Mulan. I've only seen it once. I don't remember much. I mostly just remember when she was announced on Agents of, St- of Shield. It's like, oh, she was Mulan. I don't know. I, I just remember like that one song from Mulan. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a big Disney person, especially I, uh, compared to some people we know who are very big Disney people. Yes. Yeah.
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I've actually seen one of their cell animated features after Hercules. Yeah, I saw long. Mulan in the theater because I had a friend at the time who was super into Disney stuff, so I went with them. But yeah, wait, did I see it? I know I've seen it, but I don't remember where I saw it or oh. why. Anyway, yeah, but uh, um, there is a good Final Fantasy movie. It's just it's only good if you've seen played Final Fantasy VII. Okay, so uh, <laughs> it, there isn't a good Final Fantasy movie then. I not really. I mean, and, and it's it's only it's very conditional. I was meaning to was watch fun. that. I like found Advent it at some children, point, and yeah. then never got around to watching Advent Children. Oh, and the the especially confusing thing about that guy looking like Ben Affleck is that the bat is that the evil aliens in the movie are called phantoms, and as everybody knows, Ben Affleck <laughs> Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Like I don't. Why was it so alien? Like. I need to stand up and grab something. I'll be right back. If they'd called it anything else, it might have made sense, but they called it Final Fantasy, and it had nothing to do with fantasy. It, like, was going with the themes of environmentalism and shit that Final Fantasy keeps recycling, but it wasn't a fantasy movie in any goddamn respect. Yeah, I'm not I'm not even sure what the spirits within were. The, 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 the treasures they were trying to find, like... Mm. Trying to cram the idea of a Final Fantasy, and I think it was written by the guy who wrote like most of the Final Fantasy games around then. Uh, screenplay by Al Reinert. Well, that might have been in the English version, or, or maybe the, and, the plot. Uh, Jeff Vintar. It looks like they're both like Hollywood guys. One of them wrote I Robot. Ah, Ooh. oh no, story by Hironobu S- Sakaguchi. Sakaguchi, who okay, is the yeah, creator of the it. Final yeah. Fantasy series. He also directed it. Yeah, like, like, like maybe they should have started with somebody else because, like, it, it has too much mythology crammed into a movie that doesn't need it. Oh, wow, that movie lost just, $94 million. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it was way too much, way too expensive. It it, it almost destroyed Sony, or um, the Square Enix, kind of. Well, no, no, it was, that was even before they merged the Enix. So it was uh, just well, Square. It was, it was just, yeah, it was Square Pitch and distributed by Columbia, which is Sony. So I guess, boy, the, Sony's really lucky that Spider-Man came along the next year. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sony's had some problems. So, uh... But anyway, the, the, the new game is selling so well that I can't find it. I mean, admittedly, I forgot to pre-order and shit, but I can't find it online, although the quarantine isn't helping. Like, everybody's playing video games now. Yeah, apparently Animal Crossing New Horizons was the best-selling console game of all time. Yeah, console game. That would do it. Because everyone is at home (laughs) playing video games. (laughs) And it's kind of the perfect game for that, although maybe I'm tired of it. I, I... haven't played it in a few days, but I haven't played it quite a few days. Oh, I gotta get into Ring Fit again. I'm out of shape. Anyway, yes, episode. Yes, so... And we can what? ramble about other stuff. Hello, and <laughs> welcome to Stasis Pod, 